Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Hey, don't adjust your screen. It is not Coffee Day Tuesday, but I'm Pastor Donald, and I'm up here with Pastor John R. Butcher Sr. and Pastor Kaya here at the Building Christian Fellowship. We are going to uh, bring to you tonight uh, an episode of Ask the Elders, okay? So we have questions that are on deck that you guys have sent in. We have some elevators submit some really good questions. So uh, we're ready to get into this tonight. I'm not, I can't promise you that we'll get through all of the questions, but we are going to do our very best to, to answer as much as we can and uh, be led by the Spirit. Amen? So before we jump into this tonight, let's honor God and, and ask him to bless this time of, of studying and going deeper into the Word in a word of prayer. Amen? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that you have granted us the privilege and the honor to be in your house, to, to take time out, to go deeper into your word. And Lord, we just ask that uh, as tonight goes forth, Lord, that you would just reveal yourself to, in a greater, to us in a greater way. Lord, that we would uh, be blessed with a mind to understand, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Lord, that you would give us a heart that believes and Lord, that, that, that we would leave this place with understanding. Father, that we would be able to leave this place uh, being equipped to be able to apply your word to our life, Lord. That we would not just be hearers only, but that we would be doers of your word. Lord, that we would receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. We thank you, Father, for what you were doing, you were, you were doing in your people and in your church during this time, Father. Lord, we ask that you would just uh, uh, bless and equip uh, the ministers tonight, Father, to be able to give an answer, Lord, that it would be an uh, answer that is in due season, Father, that it would be your words, Father, that it would not be our opinion, that it would not be speculation or it would not be assumption, Father, but that your Holy Spirit would be here with us and orchestrate and, and ordain everything that comes forth tonight, Father, that you would be glorified and your people would be edified. We thank you for this. Grief for this in the mighty, matchless, magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Real quick, just to give you guys a premise of why we're doing this, right? To get give you guys an idea of why we're doing this is First Peter chapter three, verse fifteen. Peter is 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 uh, commissioning the church, the believers, the body of believers. He says, "Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life." In another translation, it says, sanctify the Lord, all right? And immediately after he says, after doing that, he says, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And so I think, uh, you know, not to, not, to, to, not to talk bad about the church or not to point fingers or anything, we know that, that we as the, the body of believers, those of us who have become the church, we make up the church, that none of us are perfect, right? Um, God constantly uses uh, crooked sticks to make straight lines. So um, one of the things that I think we failed, though, to do for a long time as the church is we failed to give answers to people that, that come with questions. Even if that answer is, you know what, I don't know, let's find out together, right? So our whole goal in rightly dividing the word, our, our whole mission here at the Building Christian Fellowship is to help everyone grow in a relevant relationship, a real relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. And the way we do that is by digging into the Word. Amen? So we're going to dig deep tonight. Um, like I said, I have my, 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 my lovely guests here tonight for Rightly Dividing the Word, Pastor John and Pastor Kaya. Um, I appreciate you guys. You guys want to introduce yourselves or, or say something to the people tonight before we jump into this? Hello, everybody. If you don't know already, I am Pastor John R. Butcher Sr. The R stands, stands for random, uh, and I am the founder and the senior pastor of the Building Christian Fellowship. 
right, yes. Hi, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Um, hi, I am Pastor Kaya, and I am married to this guy, and hey. I am the executive pastor here at the Golden Christian Fellowship. Really happy to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor Donald, for having us. Really yes. appreciate that. My pleasure, my pleasure. So let's let's jump right in tonight, you guys. Uh, pastor John, I'm going to hit you with this question. This is uh, a question that, that came down the pipe. And it's, what is the difference between Baptist, Pentecostal, and Apostolic Christians, Mm -hmm. and where does our church fit within that spectrum? Yes, yes. So it's going to, you guys, put your seatbelts on real quick, because we got to talk about this. Because this is going to be a long, it can be a long answer, and we don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Um, I want you guys to take this with a grain of salt, okay? I want you guys to sit down and listen because there are differences in these three. There are some major differences, and I will explain to you, or attempt to explain to you, but please know this. There is always an anomaly in every one. Okay, so as I'm explaining these differences, understand that. So let's talk about the difference between Baptists, Baptists, Pentecostals, and Apostolics. Okay, so let's talk about it. First, let's talk about Baptists. And as we see in the Baptist denomination, and I will describe it this way so that you guys can understand, Baptist, the Baptist uh, denomination literally is one of the oldest uh, denominations that have been have come from out of the Reformation. So as we look at Baptists, we think of Baptists, we think of Baptists as a denomination that usually is more traditional. They usually uh, uh, sing hymns. They are usually more reserved. Um, They don't allow generally women to preach, generally. Um, And uh, among their counterparts, we go next from Baptists, we go to Pentecostals. So what is the difference between a Pentecostal and a Baptist? Well, Pentecostals believe the Spirit coming from the word Pentecost. So Pentecostals are a little bit different than Baptists. Baptists like to form, um, focus more on the, the Word of God in, in um, translation and everything like that. Say again? Yeah, more of a teaching, but when you go to a, a Pentecostal background, they're more focused on the Spirit of God in um, baptism of water and baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what Pentecost, they believe. They tend to be loud. They're very charismatic, okay? That's Pentecostals. Now, I need you guys to understand also is that when Pentecostals came around, they, they usually, the, the denomination of Pentecostals came around in 1906 during the Azusa, Azusa Street revival that happened here in California. So that's where Pentecostalism came. Now, with the Baptists, the largest uh, denomination of Baptists is the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, there are many other Baptists. You have um, uh, Primitive Baptists. First Baptist, you have Missionary Baptist, which is by themselves a different off-brand. You have a full gospel Baptist. Um, then you have Pentecostals. Now, the largest, um, largest group under Pentecostals is um, Assemblies of God. So if you guys, Assemblies of God is the largest um, organization under Pentecostals. Now, the next, one, next uh, group is Apostolics. Now, the apostolics, the difference between all these three, they view the Godhead different than each one of them. So the first two, which is Baptists and Pentecostals, view the Godhead um, as God in three, three in one person. So God in three persons, the Blessed Trinity. The apostolic Christians believe that God is one God. He is three in one, so that the, that, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost ghost is been embodied in the body of Jesus Christ. When it comes to apostolics and Pentecostals, you probably won't be able to tell the difference. 
because they usually, the services usually seem to be the same. You look at apostolics, they seem to be a little bit more traditional in the way that they dress. You look at women will have little doilies on their head sometimes, but one of the largest groups under the Pentecostal uh, uh, denomination is the UPC or either the PAW. UPC is the United Pentecostal Church or the Pentecostals uh, Assembly World. So um, the, the part of that question is, as we talked about all these, and I don't want to go into too deep of what the religion is. You have, you have something to say? People want to ask, well, where do we stand? Where does, does the Building Christian Fellowship stand? Well, it, I'm glad you guys asked, and I'm going to answer that. Well, our church is described as this. We are biblical, we are Pentecostal, and we're apostolic. Like, well, well, wait, wait, you can't be all three. Yes, we can. Why? We are biblical because we believe that God's word is in fact true, and we base everything that we do based upon the Bible. So therefore, we are biblical. We are also Pentecostal because we believe that the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2 is when God gave the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise that was given to us, that we believe that God gave God. God gave us the spirit of God, and not only that, he gave gifts. We're able to speak in tongues. We're able to have healing and gifts of administration, and all these have been given by the Holy Spirit. So that's Pentecostal. We're also an apostolic church. Why are we apostolic? Because the apostles have given the church the, the um, governing of the church. They, they gave a structure of there are pastors and apostles, and they've also given us discipline for the church and how the church should order. So that's where we land and that's where we stand as a church. Amen. Amen. That was that was that was Thanks. good. I, I, you did good with that because it is. That's that you could go deep, deep, deep sea diving in that. So that's that was good. Um, Pastor Kaya. Next question is for a new believer, mm. how would you guide them on reading the Bible? Mm. Like, should they start at Genesis? Like what? What are they supposed to do? Like, yes. yes. What would you suggest? I love that question. Uh, and the first uh, scripture that came to mind was Joshua 1 and 8. This book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Now, one of the things that I like to do is I like to teach from my life. And one of the things that I will never forget and I believe have changed me for the rest of my life is when I was a new believer. I still think back on those days and I long to be able to um, read and um, uh, memorize scripture the way that I did when I was a baby Christian. But I remember uh, I would take notes from church and Bible study. I would take notes diligently when the uh, preacher, the speaker would give the message, I'd write down every single scripture that they give me, and that was my study for the entire week until the next service. Every single day between those services, I would meditate on those scriptures. I'd look them up over and over and over again. I'd speak them and say them out loud to myself over and over again. I'm talking about all throughout work. In between phone calls, I'm looking up the scripture again. And now that's why I sit in service to this day and somebody will begin to say a scripture and I say the ending of it because those days of being a baby Christian, of taking the time to make notes and take notes in um, church, I those scriptures come up over and over and over again and it bubbles up and the spirit of God continues to give me the, um, be able to have uh, bring it back to my remembrance. Um, so when I was a baby Christian, all about note taking. I honestly believe that you should, I know devotions are good. I know books are good. I know just reading through the Bible front and, and back is good, but I believe that where you are planted, you flourish. And so where we are, where you are here at this church, take notes in, um, every time the, the, uh, someone takes the platform, start taking notes. Uh, and then, you know, as I be chew a little bit more. Then that's when I started daily devotions. Uh, and then after that, I wanted to chew a little bit tougher. And then so I'd read the whole, you know, books of the Bible. Of course, there was a lot of things that were unclear to me. Of course, I had a lot of questions. But then that's when I would journal. And I'd say, I talked about, you know, I'm, I'm talking to God, but I'm talking in my journal. I wonder what it means to be sanctified. I don't know, Lord, but I believe one day I will know. Like, I mean, there was a lot of, uh, of, of journeying and adventuring that I did with the Lord in, in, in being a new believer. To take notes 
Every single time there's a service, meditate on those scriptures day and night, every single day, and that's how you, that's how you get to. Yeah, I think one of the things uh, Pastor Kai and I were talking about also is that, you know, it's very important that, yes, you read your, your word, but you also, like, on, on Tuesday nights when Pastor Donald is doing a journey through John, you know, or, or we, we usually, we have themes. If you guys ever see how the pastors that are, are preaching, we're preaching from the Bible and so you could read a scripture, you, you know what the theme is, but you go before and you go after those scriptures to kind of get a little context of what's being given. But this also will help you get the heart of the house. So you, when, when you get into journey through John, you're getting the words specifically. But also you notice real relevant relationships, building faith, love, and hope. All these things are always uh, um, said here over the pulpit and that will also help you when you're reading because you're getting the heart of the church while you're reading what God is giving you through the Bible. Amen. Amen. So here, here's another question. This, is the one, this one's for both of you guys, okay? Um, and and it's, it, it rightly follows from, you know, the, the new believer question. Um, so the question is, can I believe in God and still practice my spiritual traditions from my culture, you know, that's, that's everybody is, is raised in the church or they come from very different backgrounds into salvation. So could you guys, you know, give us some insight into that? Let me start. Okay. So the question is, uh, can we still believe in God and practice your spiritual traditions from your culture? Now, I want to be specific when I say this, and, and, I, and Pastor Kyle will probably have something to say, but I want you to look at that word of spiritual. Um, we have to be very careful about what we're calling spiritual traditions, okay? Now, Colossians 2 and 8 says this, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophies and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principle of the world, and not according to Christ, okay? Now, you guys know this is, this right now, it's, it's Black History Month right now, and there's a lot of different things. We're celebrating. It's almost over, and we're celebrating. I'm a person, if you guys know about Pastor John, I love to celebrate culture, love it, and I love to, to hear people's cultures and see different things and, and how people de de do stuff, but there are many, many cultural traditions that people practice but if their practice comes from idolatry, then it may be good, but it might not be God. Okay? Some cultural traditions, and, and I'm, not, I'm just going to part on this. Some cultural traditions give honor to people like their past elders. There's nothing wrong with that. Because the Bible tells you that, that you, you're supposed to give honor where honors due. So some cultures... They'll do dances or they'll do different things that give honor or, or certain things to elders. has nothing to do with idolatry, but it has to do with giving uh, um, honor to where honors do. Um, some, of, some of them give honor to past leaders, to chiefs, um, other things. In some traditions, we also see, in, in, and some of you guys will know this, let's talk about Polynesians. The Polynesians, they do the haka. The haka can be shown as maybe something spiritual, but it's also a warrior dance. Yeah. Nothing talking about being, you know, talking about spiritual, it's talking about being a warrior. So you see the guys that do the haka and they talk about things like that. You see um, the, the hula. I was, I was, I was very unfamiliar one time because I remember they were like, there's some hula dancers going to be here. And I was like, they ain't, ain't going to be coming here. You ain't glorifying God. But when they came, because of their culture, that was part of their tradition, and they came and they glorified God, and they and it was beautiful, and we got it, we got to see that. Now there are some things that we do, we do. African Americans, remember slaves, they would jump the broom. That's part of a culture. Some some of you guys in here may be like, what do you mean jump the broom? You didn't know even know what jumping the broom was, but it, it wasn't a form of idolatry. Also, you have things such as quinceañeras, you have bar, bar mitzvahs, etc. That actually honor your culture but aren't um idolatry right and so that with that question 
Yeah, with that question, it was really sticky because it's like, well, a spiritual tradition or a culture tradition. And so um, for me, I wanted to say it all depends on what that tradition is. My computer's about to die. And so that's why I'm sort of like, I'm over here doing all kind of stuff because it's, it's like five, four, three. Okay, it all depends on what the, the spiritual tradition is, is that you're talking about. Um, and I feel like if you really kind of search and and really dig into and ask some questions to your family, like why do we do some of these um, traditions, you will probably find that some of them deep down, generations and layers and layers of generations, that it was from idol worship, idol worship. And it reminds me of uh, the early church of Corinth, and this was an issue that came up. Um, and it was almost like somebody sent Paul a list of issues that was happening in the church because that's how he would address things going on in the church. He was like, and about this, and about this. So you could tell he was like, kind of like going down the line and answering some questions. And that came up. And he found that the problem with Corinth is because many people would travel there from all over the place. It was literally like Vegas. It was like, do what thy feel. If it feels good, it must be God. Like, people from all over were, were not just coming there to come, um, migrate and, be, and um, start a new life, but they were also bringing their traditions and spiritual traditions and stuff like that from their culture, from idol worship, from all kinds of stuff. And so when they find the church and they find this new group and this new religion, they're bringing it in. But they're like, hey, let's do this because, I mean, it's, so, it's been so ingrained in them. And Paul had to let them know some of that stuff, you got to shut that down because it's tied to idol worship. And sometimes it starts with asking some questions. So why do we do this? Where did this come from? And you would, it would be really interesting to find out that some of these origins are from idolatry. Amen. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer, guys. Good answers. Um, so, all right, Pastor Kai, this is, this is going to be for you. Okay. This kind of sounds like a coffee day Monday question, but um, I'm going I'm to go ahead and shoot it because it, it came down the pike. Here okay. it goes. Should your partner hmm. be your best friend before marriage? Mm -hmm. You're compatible. You're, you're equally yoked. This person knows a little something about the word. They obviously know, know that that's, that's, a, that's a must. That'll come up. Or is best friends something you can grow into over time? Yeah. So here's the thing. I know for most people there's a difference between friends and best friends. And they said, should your partner be your best friend? I know that Proverbs 27 and 9, it says, ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all time, and a brother is born for adversity. I don't know if this person is asking the question, is making the difference between friends and best friends, but I definitely know that there is a difference between friends and best friends. Now, when somebody is best friends, they're literally like, no, like, the most that they can know about each other. There's not a lot of things that they hold back from each other. It's literally like you got friends, but then you have best friends. So the Bible says that how can two walk together lest they be in agreement? A marriage is not just a walk, but it's a marathon, dude. I mean, we're talking about taking corners, taking hills, taking valleys, taking mountains, taking... I mean, it's a marathon. So one of the things that be on that journey with your best friend... Uh, um, Ephesians 5 and 25 says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Jesus gave his life for us to be our best friend. He gave his life and because he, uh, he was committed to our ugly, to our good, to our bad, but he did it because of love. Do you get what I mean? And so love, love and like. I have friends that I don't, I, I can take them in small doses. I mean, y'all all know, you have friends you can take in small doses. And then you have best friends where you literally like, at my ugliest, I would prefer that my best friend be there instead of the friend that I can take in small doses. Do you get what I'm saying? So I, I believe that the journey of marriage is meant for best friends. We've counseled couples that literally got together and divorced because they made really great business partners. Like them, their union together was really great for their 10-year plan, their 10-year goal plan or whatever. But it, business partners are not for marriage. You know, so yes, I do agree that um, that your your spouse should be your best friend. I honestly believe that. Amen. Good stuff. That's that's good info. Um, Pastor John. Huh? Yeah. So this is a, this is an interesting question that we have here. Um, so the question is: Is it bad to wear a cross as a chain? Like for your necklace, your chain, is it, is it bad to wear a cross like as jewelry? You know what I'm saying? The, the God bling. likes bling. 
Explain, please. Oh, my God. As we will turn in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 4, and it states this. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Now, many people, many denominations will tell you that, is, it, that people cannot wear crosses. As you see what I had on a picture of Jesus, it's wrong. All these things are wrong. It tells us in God's law, in Exodus chapter 20, that you shall not make any graven images. Plain. But as, as you see, all through the Old Testament, there are for God's people not to carve, erect, or wear any graven images. God specifically said anything that is in heaven above or that is um, in the earth beneath or that is under earth, the earth. So Exodus, you see it in Exodus 32, 16, 39, 6, Leviticus 26 and 1, Deuteronomy 4, 16. I mean, the list goes on if you go through the Old Testament. But if we look at this scripture in context of the scripture, we see that God is telling people not to worship other gods, either made man-made or stuff that God made himself, such as cows, pigs, etc. Right? You guys with that? God doesn't have an issue with um, carving symbols uh, of, religious, of religion on hardware or jewelry. God doesn't have an issue with that. He actually commanded Moses, listen very carefully, he actually commanded Moses on how each table covering, each lampstand, all carved and sewn images on including the two cherubims that sat on the Ark of the Covenant, he had man carve out images upon each one of these things. So what has happened in, in, in our religious, religiosities and rules, we start making up these, you can't, no, you can't carve that. We're going to go back to Exodus, and this is what God said. But God is saying, look, it's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with you making this. As long as you are not worshiping it, yeah. and uh, the, the 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 symbol of a cross and carrying it is is not a symbol of we don't worship the cross. The cross reminds us of what Christ did on the cross, and it also reminds us on how we are to carry our cross. So, no, it is not wrong for a person to wear a cross or any religious uh, any Christian symbol. You got you got anything to add to that, Pastor? Okay. okay. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna switch it up with like the again, like I said, we had some like really good questions that that came through this time. And um as you can see, we're like about halfway, a little over halfway through tonight, and this isn't even half of the questions that we got. Woo. So um as as we're going, the, the questions are gonna get a little bit more intense. So Pastor Kaya. Need you to dig into your motherly bag, okay? Your, your, your motherly shepherd's bag, okay? And, <laughs> and so this question is, how should I approach oh. the, talk the talk with my teenager? Yeah. The talk. The birds and the bees. Yes, that talk. The flowers talk. and the trees. Yes. Yes. So as Christians... We're covenant keepers. Even while my kids were little, I constantly told them as Christians, we keep the covenant. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. And so covenant equals our Christianity. Um, and so the covenant that we share equals the covenant that Christ has with his church. Since my kids have been small, I've talked to them about the family unit, and that's what God built. God dreams and thinks in terms of family. It was all done, created, and set in place so we can be Family. Yeah. Fornication, casual sex, is a cancer to the family mm -hmm. that God designed. Those things bring about layers of sickness and disease like pornography, STDs, and sons and daughters without mommies and daddies. Yeah. It's a disease 
to the family unit. And so I approached the talk with the talk of the covenant of family. Um, when you approach the conversation of sex with your teenager, approach the talk about family, God's design of the family unit. I believe that is the approach and that is the way that we should go. The earthly marriage reflects the eternal marriage that Christ has with byproduct of that covenant. Mark 10 and 8 says, and that the two shall become one. T intimacy is a part of the becoming. It's an important piece of the becoming. It's awkward. It's clumsy. It's a mystery. It's unknown, but it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be that way. It's not supposed to be, oh, I got this. Oh, I've done this many times. Oh, don't worry. I know what I'm doing. I'm a, I'm a professional. No, you should be a novice together, a novice together. Let us explore this. A novice novice. Um, so it's supposed to be our God is all about covenant. And so the act of sex is a part of that covenant. And with God, all covenants is sealed with blood. Right. We're about to go there. go there. Mark 14, 24 says, and he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. It's a part of the becoming. God shed his blood as a sign to seal the covenant of the marriage between deep. us. He shed his blood to make the covenant um, possible. After the blood and the water flowed out of Jesus, that's when he declared what? It is finished. The covenant was made. Sex is a contract that's signed in blood. Woo. Blood is exchanged between, two, between those two persons because there's a blood, there's a covenant that's being made. One of the things that we don't want is a bunch of covenants with a bunch of people that we don't know. And we're walking around with a bunch of covenants with a bunch of people and we're trying to figure out why we're going crazy. Yeah. Why are we talking to ourselves? Why are we hearing voices? Because we have all these active covenants that we've started and sealed in blood with all these people. I would approach my talk, the talk with my teen about sex, talking about the covenant that God has and that God's created for the family. I believe that's the approach. Yeah, and just, just, just to add this, and, you know, because it is here, personally, my wife and I, we, 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 when do we start to talk? We start to talk with the kids before they become teenagers. Yeah. The talk starts with gender and gender roles. Yeah, important. Okay, that's when the talk starts. What do we do? So Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, 20, God created man in his own image. In image of God created he, him. Male and female created them. Male and female. We teach our children at the beginning that they are a boy and a girl. And we teach them coming up. Johnny's a good boy. Little, little, little John, JR's a, a little boy. Heaven's a little girl. And as they grow up, we, we um, give them their identity through their gender. And as they grow older, we start in with the regular talk, as my wife said. I also wanted to say something else. The blood covenant, if you guys understand that, is most STDs that were, were given or that have been out, there were two STDs. One is AIDS, and the other is hepatitis. And they all are transmitted through blood. And, and it's a blood-borne pathogen that is transmitted by sexual conduct. A lot of things happen. Like even right now, people are... I, I'm trying not to get there, but there's now with young, young people, they're giving out pills to tell you, look, you may have this issue because of the blood, but we'll, we'll give you something that will keep you from dying or living longer through your blood covenant. So go ahead and keep have these blood, blood right, covenants. Right, keep doing all these blood covenants with all these people. We're just going to keep trying to bandage we got, we you got, up. We got a Band-Aid for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so approaching the, the talk about sex is, first of all, male and female. Right. <laughs> and what? That's my, I'm a female. That is my sex. Right? Right. Oh, that's great sex talk. Mm. Yeah, you know what, what stuck out to me when you said when you said the novice thing, novice, mm -hmm. novice, no vice, no vice, no vice. Mm, come novice. Come, come on, on, man. There's come like that's that. There's there's so many layers to this yes. that yeah. that like young people like it's a trap. Yep. Like you you think that you can slip in and out of these relationships with no strings attached. There aren't any strings attached because it's chains, not strings. So <laughs> novice, no vice. Wow, that was good.
All right, Pastor Kyle, I'm, I'm, I want you to answer this one too because this this actually builds upon what you what what you and Pastor John just were talking about. So I, I'm I'm gonna kind of add to this question a little bit, and it says as a leader, but I also want to I also want to ask this for the parents as well, right? Because a lot of parents have have an uncomfortable they have this awkwardness about talking about this. So as a leader or as a parent, how do you have a conversation about God with a teen? Who believes they are gay without making them feel ashamed or want to turn away from God? I love this question. I was hoping I got this one. Um, and as a leader, we have conversations with people who believe they are gay, with people they believe they are liars, with people that believe they are pedophiles, with people that believe they are whoremongers, with people who believe they are fornicators. We have conversations about with all these kinds of people all the time. Every single time we take the platform, every single time we grab the mic, we are having conversations with people who believe they are what they do. All of the time. Every time we take the platform, we are having conversations with sinners who feels they are being swallowed up with the fruit of their sin all the time. And so as leaders, because the question said, as leaders, how do we approach this conversation? We approach the conversation with the gospel. We approach the conversation with the gospel and with the same love that Jesus came to the earth with. When Jesus came to the earth, we were enemies of God. We were enemies. To, we, it, we were repulsive. It was eh. But he approached us with love. And so as, the, as leaders, we approach the same way Jesus does with love, and we approach with the gospel. When he came to us, we were enemies of God, but there he was, loving on us in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our pit, and in the midst of our sin. Love is the greatest raft we can throw in the middle of, in the midst of earth's ocean of sin. It is the greatest raft. Extend ourselves in love. Stretch yourself in love. Remain in love, but also equally remain in the gospel. Because I feel like as leaders and especially as parents, sometimes we feel like we have to compromise the gospel for the sake of love, but we don't. We do not have to forsake the gospel for the sake of love. We do not have to forsake the love for the sake of the gospel. They are great partners and they work perfectly together. Romans 1, 14 through 17 says this, I am a debtor both to Greek and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is risen. The just shall live by faith. The response to anyone who begins to take on our, our identity in the old nature, the answer is the gospel. So our identity, yes, our identity isn't in our old nature, but in the new. Sin has tried to leave its dirty stamp on us and say, hey, you belong to me forever. But that is a lie. That is a lie. Maybe my greatest temptation hasn't been homosexuality, but my greater, greatest temptation has been anger. My greatest temptation has been pride, but I don't, I don't label myself with that. I am new. I am a new creature. I am a new person in Christ because of the gospel. The only time Jesus left a town or even time he, he left someone and someone was unhealed or un, unchanged is because they didn't know of their broken state. They didn't know they were sick. They probably was like, no, I don't need help. I'm happy being gay or I'm happy being a liar. So they were sit back, kicked up instead of, instead of go running to saying, saying, Jesus, save me. I am a wretch undone. The only thing that's wrong with us is when we don't see what's wrong with us. Do you get what I'm saying? The only time we miss God is when we feel like we don't need God. The only time we miss it is when we don't feel like we have a need for the gospel. Read the entire, just the entire chapter of uh, Romans chapter 6. Just read the whole chapter. But I want to read Romans 6, 5 through 7. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we have also shall be um, in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man has been crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves of sin, slaves of how we feel, slaves of what we fight, slaves of our temptation, slaves of what tried to entangle us. We are no longer slaves to that, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Your teen isn't the only one that has laid in bed with their sin. Your teen is the only one that has made a home with their sin, married their sin, and named their sin, and petted their sin. Many of us has made that same mistake over and over again, thinking that I am as I feel. No, we are not. I am who God says that I am because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that saved me from who I was. And without him, I'm a sinner undone. So the answer is love 
and the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's the answer. Amen. Amen. Um, just so we can be clear about that is because the world's definition of love, especially when we're talking about the agenda, there's a difference between uh, a person that is has the uh, propensity yeah. of sin or the propensity of, of being gay. There's a difference than people because the agenda is saying, well, love is love and God is love. No, there is an agape love, agape love that we're talking about that is from the gospel. And with our young people today, what's getting being so confused and thrown out there when we have that talk is with them is somewhere along the way that they have allowed, and I'm, I'm being honest with the LGBTQ community, is they are finding their identity in their sin, and they are, they're taking their shame and putting it somewhere else on, on us. Basically, instead of putting their shame on Christ and seeing that they are sinners and, and, and going to God about their issue. And, and I believe that when we talk to our teenagers, that we talk to them exactly the way Pastor Kai said. The answer is in the gospel. It's in Jesus Christ, not in what the world and what organizations say you are, but what Christ says, that I'm identified with Christ, not identified with my propensity yeah. of sin. And, and saints of God, it, 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 one thing I hate is when I had a message one time that said, born this way. You know, because people say, well, I'm born this way. Yes, we are all born this way. Romans 3 and 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us, not one of us, are without sin. That's what Jesus said. If with anybody that, that is without sin, let you first cast the first stone. No, I believe that the love is going to conquer all. Not the, the definition of the world's love, but the gospel love and that Jesus so loved the world. It's agape love. Amen. Amen. That was good. Um, Pastor John, this question is it's kind of a, it's a multi-faceted question. It's like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a long one. It actually comes from one of our elevators. Very inquisitive. <laughs> Want to know. Uh, they said, why did God give us free will if it could lead to death? And why is the consequence of that free will have to be death? Why could why why would he allow his creation to experience death due to sin? Why couldn't he just give us free will with the safety net? That's a mouthful. <laughs> wow. I will attempt to answer, answer this in a few parts. But first of all, um, why did God give us free will that could lead to death? Let's first of all we have to look in, in the beginning. In the beginning, in order for us to have free will, there has to be a choice. You, there has to be a choice. God created us. When he created us, there was a choice. Right in the Garden of Eden, we see uh, Adam. You know, Adam, God commanded him to not eat, don't touch, don't look at the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Good and evil. He said, if you touch it or eat it, you shall surely die. God literally wanted free will because he wanted people to choose him over anything else. So there's, it's, it, it's this or that. God says, you're, you, you're going you're gonna to choose the tree of knowledge of good and evil because the moment that you choose something else, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. So Satan says, but God says, look, don't even touch it because I'm everything you need. I'm everything you really want. I, I, I will walk with you in the cool of the day. I will commune, commune with you. I will sup with you. So God literally made a choice. So that he made us a choice. It's not that he said, I'm going to give you a choice and I'm going to set you up for sin. It's that man himself decided to sneak out and do what he wanted to do. Genesis 2 and 17, it says, but the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you shall not eat for the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And I'm going to read this. It's kind of long, but I'm going to read this for you. Deuteronomy chapter 30, 15 through 20, it says this. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgment, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your hearts turn so that you do not hear 
and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. God has already always had given you free will. He's given you a choice. If, if God would just basically say, look, you have no choices. I just put you here. Then you'll be like the angels. A lot of people say angels had their own will. They just come to serve God. That's what God, uh, that's what people say angels don't have free will. Obviously, they did. That's why they rebelled against God. But you're a robot when you don't have free will. So that's, that's what some of, these, some of these questions are saying. Um, so with that, um, I guess the other question is, why is the consequence of that uh, free will to be, to be death because God had death or life. It's the choice. You know, some people it's, it's this or that it's on this or that this or that black or white. Okay. Yin and yang. I, I hate to say that, but it's one or the other. God says, choose this day whom you shall serve. That's where we are at right there. And it says, now, why would God allow his creation to experience death? Due to sin, well, first, man was never supposed to experience death. Death was something that entered into man as a result of bad choices. There was a choice, and, and we would have never even saw sin. Sin was 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 there. It was we we could have chose sin, or we did choose sin. Wait, how am I saying this? We should have chose God, but instead we chose something else. And because we chose not to, to serve God and serve our own desires and, and, and be inquisitive about not listening to what God says, we, death entered in and then man stayed in a state of death. That's why if you look in the Bible, Adam was over uh, 800 years old and as sin crept into man's life, eventually it would come from 500 to 300 and then now you see that the number of man's days was no was more it was about 120 years no more old. More than 120. Yeah. That's what a man has promised because of sin. So uh, English, the uh, Exodus 33:19 says this, and he said, "I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I am gracious, and I will show mercy to whom I show mercy." God wants to give us mercy. He wants to give us grace. But there's times that we make some very, very bad choices. It's not God's fault. And, and God is going to show grace to whom he gives grace to and mercy to whom he gives mercy to. But I'm telling you guys, for, for you to sit down and keep making bad judgments, it's not God's fault. He's already placed it before you. And that's that scripture about, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. It was like the safety net was, of every tree, you may eat, except the one. Every tree. It was like somebody gave us an unlimited gift card to the grocery store, store and said, buy everything except for sauerkraut. Had to get the sauerkraut. Do you get what I'm saying? It was like the, the safety net was... Of every tree, every you may tree. freely eat. You have unlimited rain except for sauerkraut. But they went and found it and dug it and went after sauerkraut. Yeah. So the, so the safety net was the hundreds upon thousands of other trees there were. That was the safety net. That was the net. safety net. You yeah. know? Yeah. Amen. Well, look, as, as you can see, like, we barely got through half of the, of the questions tonight. And we're already at our time for the evening. So, uh... First of all, I just want y'all, can you guys give a round of applause and clap it up? Because it's not, it is not easy to be up here and prepare and try and answer these questions by any means. But, uh, you know, our pastors were in the hot seat tonight, and uh, they survived. They don't even smell like smoke. Um, 
And uh, so I, I pray that you guys got something out of tonight that, that the Lord has revealed himself to you in a greater way, that you've left with some hope um, uh, uh, above everything, that, that uh, you, you got to know a little bit more about the word than you did before. I just want to encourage you guys before we close out, encourage you guys, uh, this is going to be taking place every last Tuesday night of the month. So we're, we're going to save the questions that we didn't get to tonight. We're, we're going to continue on with this, and it'll be another panel of elders that'll be up here to answer the questions, and they're going to study to show themselves approved, as the scripture says, so they can answer you according to the word of truth, not their, not their truth, the truth. Amen? Not a woman, okay? Um, amen. So, so I, I just want to encourage you guys, make sure that you guys send in your questions. As you can see, we're, we're, not, we're not rejecting any questions. Just make sure you send them in before the deadline so that way we can go ahead and prepare and do our best to, to answer these questions. We're learning stuff along with you guys as we're doing this. So we, we believe that, that there is nothing too hard for the God that we serve. Amen? And that Holy Spirit is the best teacher that anybody could ask for. So I want to encourage you guys to do that. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Make sure that you tune in with us on uh, Sundays at 11 a.m. if you are sick and shut in. But if you able-bodied, get you behind here into the building. Come on. Make sure you mask up so you can come in here and, and worship corporately with the brethren, not forsaking the fellowship and the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but that we come in here and we, we lift up a hallelujah unto our God and, and do what the word says. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that it is spirit and life, Lord. We thank you that your word is truth. Father, we thank you for uh, letting your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that we would not have to stumble in darkness. We thank you, Father, that you are the light of life and that you dwell on the inside of us and that we are able to abide in you. Father, we thank you for keeping us. We thank you for preserving us. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your strength. Lord, we ask that as this week goes on that you would help us to be uh, conscious in, in a, the opportunities to share the gospel with those that we come in contact with, Lord. We thank you for giving us an ear to hear what your spirit is saying to us and that you have given us the courage and the wisdom to be obedient to his instructions. Lord, we thank you for leading us and guiding us. We thank you that you have not left us ill-equipped, but that you have given us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. Lord, we ask that you would just bless us with sweet sleep and, and, and peaceful rest tonight. Father, that we would wake up tomorrow energized, ready to go and be your ambassadors here in this earth. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray for this in the mighty, magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.